Hi, I'm Rosa. And I'm Katie. And welcome back to The OC, the podcast, a spoiler-free rewatch podcast. Today we're going to be taking a closer look at The Pilot, which premiered August 5th, 2003 on Fox. The Pilot was written by Josh Schwartz, who is the creator of the show and directed by Doug Lyman. Do you just want to jump in to The Pilot? Because I really want to talk about this pilot. I Just to get this out of the way, I do want to say re-watching it I rewatched the pilot last night and I know we're gonna like make some comments and there are some lines that are just as goofy as they are iconic but like I have to say watching it again I was just so struck by how strong the writing was I like so I was kind of blown away by it I think because you know it's been a long time since I rewatched the pilot and in that um, I should also, I do a lot of like research and work in the streaming space. So most of the shows I've been watching are streaming series and pilots function very differently in a streaming space. And I just, the way that they were able to lay out so much of the plot so quickly, but still have these really wonderful character beats between characters. I was really just struck by how excited I was I was like I've seen this whole show multiple times and I was like oh I have to keep watching like this is a great pilot the writing is just so sharp Mm -hmm. and there's not really a moment in the pilot where you're like oh they really should have cut that part out like that it was really dragging there like the entire time I was like excellent excellent fantastic I've probably watched the pilot about 20 times and it doesn't get old and I mean we're talking about a pilot that the first line of dialogue is I'm your older like I'm your older brother if 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 I don't teach you this who will and it's about window smash window smash like this is a pilot that knows it knows what it's doing Mm -hmm. and I used to tell people I'm like okay if the pilot is feeling like you know grandiose and just like over the top just know that it knows but watching it again I mean, I don't know if this is just the foresight coming through, but I really just feel like right like right off the bat, I got the idea, like it knows exactly what it was doing mm-hmm. with all of the over-the-top drama. And I think the pilot, it just sets the tone perfectly. Mm-hmm. I think you watch the pilot and you're like, okay, this is the kind of show this is going to be. Exactly. And it really, not to get ahead of ourselves but I think it really maintains it really Mm -hmm. well and I don't know I just think I think it's an excellent pilot sometimes with shows that I love I'll tell people like it it's a little slow in the beginning Mm -hmm. but like once you get through it and I really genuinely feel like with the OC I feel comfortable being like like if you like this pilot keep going if you don't like the pilot eh, I mean Maybe not the show for you. Yeah, maybe not. And maybe it's just not for you because the pilot. And I mean, I think what is so charming about it, not charming, that sounds really condescending, but just <laughs> it is such a network show. Like it is such a, it's prime time. Like, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, I didn't realize how much I missed that. And this isn't going to devolve into a streaming versus cable mm-hmm. network broadcast. Like that's not what this conversation is, but there's something that is just so fulfilling of just watching a, a pilot that is designed. I mean, I guess, you know, in, in case you don't know, like a pilot is literally designed to sell the show. Like that is, you need 
to set up the stakes, you need to introduce the characters, you need to introduce the tone. And I think this pilot just does a fantastic job of that. So we see Trey and Ryan steal the yes. car and then immediately get caught by the police because they're really bad at stealing cars. That is the thing. I love, I love Trey the criminal. Trey just the so incompetent. Like <laughs> he goes, if if I don't teach you this, no one will. Maybe someone else should have. Because Trey is not good at stealing cars. They get caught immediately. Ryan, you need to be trained in the criminal profession from someone yes. a little better at their job. Yeah. Someone who doesn't know he's smash a window. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just, yeah. So, but right away though, it's, you know, you're with Ryan and Ryan is in a pretty, pretty not good situation because he's just gotten arrested for yeah. stealing a car with his older but- brother. The good news, his public defender is Peter Gallagher, Sandy Mr. Eyebrows himself. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Eyebrows himself is here, and he's here to help him. Peter Gallagher's eyebrows are part of his personality. I like this is not me making fun of his eyebrows at all. No, good for you, sir. Um, I do think, I think when I was younger, I made fun of the conversation between, uh, sandy and ryan a bit more because i was like oh my god like this the 16 year old kid 15 16 year old kid is so like he's so dramatic and ben mckenzie does it ben mckenzie who plays ryan i guess we should have led with that Mm -hmm. he does it in this way that is so weirdly charming because it shouldn't work like his very, it's almost like a Riverdale s. Like before Riverdale existed, before like the I'm a weirdo speech existed, mm-hmm. Ben McKenzie was out here putting in the work, you know. But now that I'm older, I mean, he's making points. <laughs> so essentially, what you find out from this conversation is that Ryan is very smart, and he, you know, he's just a kid who's in a pretty bad situation. But he has a pretty firm grasp on the realities of his situation. Mm -hmm. I think that's very good to set up from the beginning that Ryan is like, he's a realist. He is going to deliver it in the most dramatic way possible. But he is just very smart. He's just very aware of the situation that he's in. Yeah. I think my favorite part of the scene is just the... Suspended twice for fighting, truancy three times, 98th percentile in your SATs. <laughs> like, I, Which I mean, yeah. It's, it's good. He's good. What really sells the scene is the way he looks off into space during his speech. And he's had a long night. He's so valid mm-hmm. for this. Like you said, like watching it in high school, I was like, get a load of this guy. He's so dramatic. And now I'm like, man... Social Security. I don't know if it's true that Social Security. And Social Security is going to run out in 2025. Watching it, sure hope that's <laughs> watching it in 2022. I'm like, ooh, ooh. But I mean, that feeling. I think being older. I think that's like Ryan's character. He's always been like older than than his age because. Mm-hmm. When I was 16 and I was watching this, I was like, oh my God, like this guy, like what is he even talking about? I am 22, about to be 23, <laughs> but um, I'm like, oh no, I relate to him a, a bit more. Like I kind of like this whole notion of like, you're going to be working until you're 80, like how, you know, just like kind of grappling with the reality of your life. I think 
you know, he is a teenager and obviously teen dramas write teenagers in a very specific way, but I do think it makes sense for his character to be this kind of jaded, you know, he, he's been dealt a pretty, um, pretty crappy hand and he, and he knows it like he, and he tells Sandy as much. So this is me apologizing to Ryan because I laughed at him when I was 16 and I'm older now and I'm like, okay, yeah, he was making some points. And I think one thing that this pilot also does really well is just setting up characterizations. Mm-hmm. So we get right off the bat, he makes stupid decisions because of his circumstance. Yeah. And he is also really book smart. Yeah. And he is street smart. He just leads with his emotions. Like he's always, he always feels like he's backed into a corner, Mm -hmm. you know? And so he just always kind of like lashes out. He always, he, he does things and then thinks later. So you kind of have the setup for a perfectly like broody character. Who's going to feel guilty a lot of the time. Yes. Which I, great stuff. And I think it's just, he has, such weight on his shoulders with a 16 year old's brain development Mm -hmm. so it's just he doesn't have a ton of foresight yeah and it's not his fault at all yeah and i but i do what i do like about that interaction though is sandy kind of relating to him from a sense that sandy sees a lot of himself and ryan because he had a similar upbringing and he's kind of telling Ryan, and again, it's hard to tell a 16 year old this, but it's like, you have to start taking agency in your life. Like no one is going to do that for you. But what I also like about the show, and I think this is the part that's like aged the best, obviously it's not the most nuanced approach, but yeah, Sandy does say that, but then they go out of their way to show it's like, yeah, no one's going to make better choices for you, but giving someone the means to make better choices is huge. It's everything. Like Mm -hmm. Ryan can't become the person that he can be in the situation that he's in because he's always going to be doing things first and thinking after because he's just trying to survive his circumstances. So you need a person to, you need someone to change that situation because otherwise Mm -hmm. it's just empty words, you know? Yeah. It's just like how one of the core theses of the show is class Mm -hmm. um and while they kind of it can get fumbly at some points throughout the show how they're executing that um especially in kind of a refusal to tackle race as well it's a very Um, raceless class dynamic which is just not exactly yeah um but they do make it very clear that your circumstances have just are so innately tied to the opportunities you have Mm -hmm. and even if you are doing literally the best you can there's always going to be like a ceiling or a limit Mm -hmm. um when you have the financial barriers the social barriers all of that yeah and i think you see that so clearly too you see that so clearly too when ryan very clear goes he gets out on bail i'm assuming i don't know if they ever like clarified that but so he goes home mm-hmm. with his mom and his mom's boyfriend. Stepfather. We don't really get, as far as I'm aware, we don't really get confirmation of who this 
I don't think yeah. their marriage is based off of what married. I know about Ryan's <laughs> mother, but it's just a really, really horrible home life. And it's just kind of, you know, his mom in this episode really, it hurts to watch like this whole thing where it's like, she's just given up on him because he's gotten his first arrest and you can almost understand it where like her husband's in prison um, and her older son is now awaiting trial because, um, you know, he, the expert car burglar himself um, had, you know, priors, had guns, had drugs on him. Um, And so now her younger son who, you know, she, she says like, she was like, he was like her one hope. But then he does one thing wrong and she's Mm -hmm. done with him. So she does kick him out. And I think, you know, that scene of him calling like everybody he knows, like looking for help and just getting turned down. I think, yeah, I just think it kind of communicates what you were saying. Like the the core, one of the core themes of the show is like this class dynamic of like he's hit a point where he can't do anything more for himself, you know? Like he's he's trying his best. Um, this is also when we get our first listen to California by Phantom Planet. Um, wow, perfect song for the show. Yeah, and okay, as someone who hasn't been further west than Colorado, I have something to say. <laughs> I have been further west than Colorado, and I'm so interested to hear what you have to say. I am. So fascinated by the obsession with the 101. <laughs> I saw a post the other day, though, and this is, like, so true. It's, like, Americans are always saying shit like garbage disposal and I-95. And I was, like, oh, God. Because, I mean, I guess it's, like, what is the fascination with the 101? But, like, when I say I-85 to you, does your heart not race? What I was going to say I is, apologize. like, what? Sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be, I'm just like playing, that's exactly where I'm going with this, mm-hmm. is imagine I was just started waxing poetic about 285 or something. I mean, people like, do though, like people, but it wouldn't be like a happy song. Like, it wouldn't be like, oh, driving down the 101. It would be like, I've been on 285 for two days. <laughs> I I don't know where the exits are. I just found out 285 goes in a circle. I'm trapped. This is my hell, you know? <laughs> consistently my family members and I are sending each other screenshots of Google Maps where it's just us trying to get on 285 but it's all red and the thing is because like I think my first exposure to because again I haven't been to California um Mm -hmm. and I think my first exposure to the 101 and that was this song and NCT 127 has a song called Highway to Heaven and it is a bunch of men who do not live in the United States um, singing about the 101. And it's just, I I love that they have that landmark. I think that's fantastic for them. Love that for California. I do not have that relationship to Atlanta Highways. <laughs> I feel like we should clarify too, maybe a caveat we should mention. We are not Westerners. We are Southerners. But I do think it's, I think like the California aspect of it like this show does such a great job like using the setting of california because i think so many things are set in california for obvious reasons meanwhile when they film in atlanta it's like any city other than atlanta that's that that's a tangent imagine teen wolf actually set in atlanta i listen that's a galaxy brain 
like idea i mean i know that they wouldn't have the whole thing where they see fireflies and they're freaked out that's the other thing i've learned so much about california wildlife there haven't been wolves in california in at least 60 years (laughs) they don't have fireflies in california like when they saw the firefly they're like what is this mystical thing and i'm like oh god yeah y'all really can't set it in georgia but no i think you know obviously they're pretty liberal with their location i should say that you know chino where ryan is from is not and this is this is to borrow something from the iconic the oc the musical which at some point we will be discussing at length but you know i think there have been you know the way they portray it the the oc the musical kind of hits the nail on the head where they're like this is the most disgusting place on planet earth like this is like the way they depict chino is just so over the top the fact that city officials in chino had to be like hello yeah like excuse me and i think you know so there's when i say you know the user setting you know some people were not super thrilled about the way that they were portrayed on the show here's a place that all these rich people are going to look down on. He's from a place mm-hmm. that they're all going to look down on. But they are in one of the most like morally reprehensible mm-hmm. <laughs> um, situations. Like everyone is committing crimes and yeah. not getting arrested for it. Mm-hmm. And crimes, arguably, crimes that are worse. Like you stole a car versus you are just destroying so many people's lives. And I think the show actually does do a very good job of saying like yeah the place he's from like is like you know has a lot of crime but that's only because people are getting arrested to a higher degree yeah they're more policed there's more police whereas in orange county and newport beach like the crimes that are happening there are substantially worse like to a degree of like morality yeah, way higher stakes. And like, yeah, Jimmy Cooper is getting investigated by the SEC, but they're not like banging down his door and arresting him. They're giving him his business card. Yeah. Um, it's just approached very differently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I guess with that, we should say, so obviously where we left off and like the plot where Ryan's calling everybody, obviously he's going to call his public defendant at some point uh, just because mm-hmm. he's called everybody. Um, and... I do want to give a special shout out to the line that just takes me out every single time when Sandy picks him up and Ryan is like, this is a really nice car. I didn't think your type of lawyer like made money. And he's like, I don't. And then they pull up to the mansion and he's like, but my wife does. Listen, no, it's is it a little bit excellent. girl boss feminism? Sure. Sure. Is it reeking of capitalism? Absolutely. But. But we respect Sandy Cohen, his male wife energy, and, like, again, this is, like, I don't, like, I feel like I'm about to use a lot of terms that I don't actually use in real life of, like, the girl boss male wife, like, dynamic, but, like, (laughs) listen, it is so enjoyable, especially of a show that aired in 2003, for him to be, like, look at my fabulous wife making all this money, whereas I get to pursue my dream of being a public defender. It's really good. And it is one of the first things that you ever told me about the show. And Mm -hmm. I think you told me about Captain Oates and you told me about this line. And I was like, I'm sold. The two things you need to know. I'm not, are we introduced to Captain Oates in the pilot? 
Well, I don't. I don't think we are. you have to deal with spoilers. Well, it's not a spoiler. This is this is intrigue to be seen. <laughs> Who's Captain Oates? You will never know You'll if see. you don't keep yeah. going. <laughs> but no, I think like to that point, you know. And then when you meet Kirsten Cohen, so Sandy Cohen's wife, I love her character. I think her character is so well set up in the beginning because the things that she's saying have a lot of layers to them because you know she's like how could you bring someone like this home and you're kind of like really off put by the difference in perception where sandy sees a kid who reminds him a lot of himself whereas kirsten keeps saying like he's a criminal all of these things and i think that's really they build on it quite nicely through the pilot where you realize that pretty much most of her concern comes from this existing cloud in like the Cohen family dynamic that has to do with this concern that they have for their biological son, Seth, who we haven't met at this point, but like rewatching that conversation where I've seen the entirety of the pilot through, it's just, it's really kind of, it's kind of sad to watch because like the more you understand of like the feelings that they have about their son and like where their son is in his life right now and she's just really scared of like bringing in this like unknown dynamic with their son who just like flat out just doesn't have any friends and you find out like a a lot of things that are pretty concerning about just his social status so I do actually very much understand her concern of like bringing Ryan into her home when Mm -hmm. she is like seeing this kid who could have a lot of influence on her son just because he doesn't have a healthy like social network to like lean on the community like once they find out he's from Chino once they find out he's not the cousin Mm -hmm. from Boston um where they all look down on him and they think he's some criminal when he has been the kindest to Seth out yeah. of everyone in his life outside of his immediate family. And I also think, you know, I also think even though I just defended like what she was saying because of like this other thing that was going on, I think it's also just she grew up in wealth and privilege, whereas Sandy didn't. So she is a lot more judgmental of Ryan at first because mm-hmm. like she doesn't fully understand like how someone could be driven to do things like that because I don't think she's ever actually been in that position herself yeah um yeah but to your point like I think Ryan is like like you said like everyone just looks down on him for a reason so outside of his character whereas like his relationship with Seth is one of the core relationships of the show Mm -hmm. and it's quite I think they do a good job of setting up the dynamic of like these people that are supposed to be good and supposed to be like better influences on Seth are actually quite horrible whereas Ryan who is you know a quote-unquote a criminal he's been arrested once and also he didn't even (laughs) but you know what I mean like he is a person not from their social standing he has he's obviously like and it's so, it's just so, I love Ryan and Seth's relationship. It makes me really emotional. But I think what's really 
fascinating too is obviously Sandy is also kind of wrestling with some preconceived notions mm-hmm. about Ryan because um, yeah. no one's immune to that. So, and to be fair, Ryan did help steal a car. So yeah. when he's parking the car and he's debating whether or not to leave Ryan in the car or to leave his keys and Ryan just handling it with such grace, honestly, yeah, saying it's no fun if the keys aren't in the car. Um, but Sandy having that kind of hesitation, but also knowing that this is a kid that he is comfortable bringing into his home. Yeah. And Kirsten being like, he's a felon or whatever. And he's like, it's not for a felony. I mean, it was, but it won't be when I'm done with it. And it's also like, it's like, he's not this, you know, criminal mastermind. He's a kid with nowhere to go. I think it's, that's when you kind of see Sandy's perspective on it. And I think Sandy in the car versus when Ryan meets Seth the next day mm-hmm. and Seth whereas Sandy's like trying not to be awkward about the situation with the car whereas R- Seth wants Ryan to like him so badly <laughs> that he's like we could play Grand Theft Auto you can like steal cars which is cool or not cool or not uncool like and he's like I don't know how I should be feeling about Grand Theft Auto in front of you like I don't mean to offend like it's just so <laughs> just that dynamic I don't want to I don't want to be insensitive to the car stealer community yeah like he's like I don't know how to like how to how you feel about stealing cars um and I just he wants he wants Ryan to like him so badly mm-hmm. and I also think it is interesting where like the way that Seth talks about Newport Beach and the way that his parents talk about like his relationship with Newport Beach. Cause I think, you know, later on Sandy is like, I'd rather him hang out with Ryan than like one of these trust fund kids. And it's like, Seth is a trust fund kid, but because, you know, he's a, a weird kind of transplant in himself where like, he is not from Newport Beach but his mom is so like he's from this very established family where Kirsten Cohen is she works for the Newport group with her father like you know very established very powerful family in Orange County but they don't they don't have that same relationship and the thing that is kind of is not necessarily addressed by the show it's just something to note when you're watching it because you kind of feel it is like this weird ambivalence that the Coens have with their own wealth and their own standing mm-hmm. within the community because they just don't feel like, or Sandy and Seth especially don't feel like they belong. And then by extension, Kirsten feels that way. But I think also, you know, I say that, but I think it's so valid of Seth not feeling like he belongs because again, he's treated horribly <laughs> by his peers. Yeah. But there's absolutely kind of that dynamic where he absolutely doesn't fit in there, um, Mm -hmm. but he is very wealthy. Yes, absolutely. But that being said, Seth and Ryan are the only two people really showing each other kindness. And in Ryan's case, it's not exactly true because what I do like, we just completely glossed over, you know, the crucial scene of him meeting Marissa at the end of the driveway. But I do think they make a point where Ryan, if he was the cousin from Boston, like Marissa said that he was, he would fit into this community very easily. Like if he was not the person that he was, if he didn't have the background that he had, 
he you know he has like the physical attributes and he is also very emotionally intelligent like he can Mm -hmm. kind of read people really well whereas seth is pretty much the opposite of emotional intelligent (laughs) emotionally intelligent Mm -hmm. he can't really read people at all and he's he doesn't pick up on social cues and he also just so i like the dynamic of seth and ryan having the other part that the other one needs like seth has the background that ryan would need to fully access this community whereas ryan has like the personality um Mm -hmm. but then you kind of have this realization and they do as well where it's like yeah like theoretically if they join forces like they could like you know try to acclimate to the community but the the reality is is that like because of their circumstances like they're never going to be fully accepted into this bubble so they have to kind of look out for each other yeah absolutely and i think that is what's so special about the friendship that mm-hmm. forms there and like you mentioned the scene in the driveway we With have Marissa, to talk yeah about. we have to we i if we recorded a whole podcast episode <laughs> about the OC pilot and we don't talk about the scene at the end of the driveway. I it would be despicable. So, <laughs> a brief background that is necessary. I know that we've mentioned this, but I think we have to like just explicitly say the realities of the situation. So, the OC aired on Fox, which is not a network known for you know, just like how do I put this? There are a lot of teen shows that could never air on Fox. Uh, Fox is pretty conservative with, well, Fox is conservative in general, but, you know, there's just, they kind of have firm rules about like what is allowed to be shown, like as far as like teen characters doing things. So I say that because it'll make sense later on of what happens after Ryan goes to the end of the driveway to smoke a cigarette. And don't get used to it because the last cigarette you'll ever see a main character on the OC smoking, who is not intentionally written to be a bad person. <laughs> but he does go to the end of the driveway to smoke a cigarette. Uh, I feel like I sound like I'm like 12 years old when I say that. To, to go <laughs> smoke a cigarette. To smoke a cigarette. This is my asthmatic <laughs> tendencies coming out i'm like he goes to smoke a cigarette uh but yeah so he goes in the driveway where the driveway over from the cohen's uh marissa cooper who's played by misha barton is waiting at the end of her driveway to be picked up by the viewer later understands by her boyfriend by luke marissa cooper is obviously one of the other uh one of the four main characters of the oc and she immediately is intrigued by ryan and who um, wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? I mean, Ben McKenzie standing at the end of his driveway, smoking a cigarette, you know. Looking like a young Russell Crowe. Yeah, fully like a young Russell Crowe. It's <laughs> it's terrifying. Um, I still don't believe that they're not related. Like, I, the day when they both do 23andMe and they come back startled, I will be ready for that day. We knew. Anyone with eyes, anyone with eyes knows. Marissa's like, who are you? And then Ryan comes in. With a line that's so clearly, he had to practice that. That was my (laughs) note rewatching it. I'm like, he's definitely said this in a mirror before. I know he has. (laughs) Absolutely. He's in a wife beater and just like staring at himself in the mirror with a choker on. (laughs) Pretending to smoke a cigarette. And he's just like looking at his reflection. Like, whoever you, 
whoever you want whoever you want me to be yeah whoever whoever, and then he's like maybe i should put the cigarette in my mouth like maybe that's more dramatic (laughs) which is what he does in the scene the cigarette (laughs) is actively in his mouth and she but the best part of it marissa's like in her mind she's like calling bullshit like she's like you're the cousin from well she says that later (laughs) she was just like she goes okay no like but really who are you and then he oh (laughs) i love him (laughs) the delivery the delivery of this he goes stole a car crashed it like it's the head tilt for me what's my favorite part of it is that he's being so dramatic and telling the story but he wants to be honest yeah he goes actually my brother (laughs) (laughs) he like clarifies he's like yeah i i didn't actually do that but i was there and then that's when marissa comes in she goes you're the cousin from boston right like she's like she's clocked him she's like this little like she's like no like you are full of shit you don't absolutely this five foot five guy (laughs) absolutely not and then so he decides to obviously go with it and then sandy comes in the driveway and he's like oh the cousin all the way from seattle which is how you get the backstory of ryan's very quick thinking of his divorced parents that one lives Mm -hmm. in boston one lives in seattle which the custody agreement on that has to be bonkers like not quite parent trap levels but like that's a lot of plane rides but anyways um it's a lot of mileage ryan is quick on his feet he's like he's yeah really bad at stealing cars but good at everything else and also not great at fighting um yeah but he gets in a lot of fights i love the reputation (laughs) of ryan ryan is like the pre-steve harrington prototype almost in the fighting sense not really everything else i think you know from he has this reputation as this fighter but he like loses all of the fights that he's in but what he does eventually say where he's like he wins more fights when he's in newport because Mm -hmm. they're just worse at fighting yeah so they're like ryan will fight anyone and he's like i get i get beat up a lot in chino like y'all just don't you're not very good at fighting I love the, the correlation. It's like the more money you have, the worse you are at fighting. Yeah. But they're so aggressive. And for what? <laughs> for what? And also uh, to bring it back to the whole cigarette thing, I bet y'all were wondering about what happened to that cigarette. Sandy sees the cigarette and he's like, there's no smoking in the house. The house is a metaphor for the Fox network. Um, but just know that Fox has a lot of thoughts about what goes on in the OC, which is wild to me considering the other stuff that happens in the pilot. Like, <laughs> there's fully cocaine. In- there's, yeah, I know. <laughs> I can excuse cocaine, but I draw the line I, <laughs> at a cigarette. It's almost like, you remember when Perks Being a Wallflower first came out and, like, in order to get a pg-13 rating versus an r rating they had to cut all the smoking out but they kept the lsd i guess i guess they're just like thinking that cigarettes are more accessible and yeah. the easiest thing to influence and i mean also they do show it is easier to show like negative consequences of and again this isn't me like saying that this is like desirable i'm not really an advocate for like moral policing in even teen drama content, I think like youth content is a little bit different. But if you're talking teen drama content, 
arguably the content is mature enough where you're not necessarily advocating for certain things. Yeah, I think smoking is funny because if they wanted to show like this serious negative ramifications, they're like, (laughs) we're going to do a 20 year flash forward to getting diagnosed with lung cancer. Or they could just have an asthmatic character and show the consequences right away. I, re- I have a really bad reaction to smoking. Just put me in a teen drama and then people would feel guilty. So they have a maid. Of course they yeah. do. Um, and her name is Rosie. Lots of maids are named Rosie or Rosa mm-hmm. in television shows and movies. Um, it's just something I've noticed. I pick up on it because that's my yeah. name. Unless you're Gilmore Girls, in which case you will go through... I think Gilmore Girls ran out of names like the hurricane naming process. Like, truly just all of the maids. Um, so he sleeps in the pool house. They have a whole pool house, mm-hmm. which isn't surprising, but imagine living that life. And then we've talked a lot about Seth so far, but we haven't in the progression of the show, haven't met him yet. So... We don't know what he looks like yet. We don't know who plays him. And so Ryan comes in the morning and who is sitting there but Dave Rogalski from Gilmore Girls. And also, I'm sure, like, if you know, I feel like when I mention the OC, this is something that people typically kind of know is that this is why Adam Brody left Gilmore Girls. And that's why they say that Dave is in California. I also love the fact that they were really not sure that the OC was going to be a thing because they definitely left the door open for him to come back. And then there was a point when they're like, oh no, the show is taking off. We can't, we have to get rid of him. Um, But it's very funny, like going back to the season of Gilmore Girls that he left, like he's not in the show anymore, but they very clearly kind of were like, you know, if things don't work out, you always can come back. And then he didn't. Um, I think I've seen every single thing that Adam Brody has been in now because I realized I was really close when I was looking at his IMDb and I'm like, mm, gotta watch some weird indie movies. He's in some, he does some weird stuff, but also Ready or Not is a fantastic movie and he's fantastic in it. So between the OC and Ready or Not, Ready or Not is a very iconic performance from him. Ryan and Seth finally officially meet. Um, we realized that Seth is kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is interesting having I'm like, okay, so this is a universe where Adam Brody is not both hot and cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> he is. He is, and he so clearly is he's hot and cool. But I will say Adam Brody like, does a very good job of and I think the writing also lends itself to like, I do understand why this kid does not fit in with his peers. Absolutely. And it's like a mix of like um, choice but also what i kind of like and i think it's only kind of hinted at in the pilot but it's like he talks a lot about like how he doesn't want to be in with the group like he's like it's like oh the newport like they're awful like why would you there's nothing good to do here like you know he doesn't want to fit in but then very clearly at the party later when like he is going to the party ostensibly to fit in and he can't like so i think there's this sort of like yeah he's choosing air quotes on choosing not to be a part of it but also it's shown later that he very clearly like if he it's kind of indicated that he like might have tried before and he Mm -hmm. like he just can't really find acceptance in that group 
it's just I think Adam Brody, the writing and Adam Brody's acting work really well to like really immerse yourself mm-hmm. in himself in that character and you're like okay I understand yeah that because I do think this is who Seth is and this is why he doesn't fit in because I I think like also like there is a critique and you see this come up a lot with like like the most recent season of Stranger Things aired and some people use the same critique with that where it's like oh another male writer like writing themselves as the outcast for like liking comic books which to a degree like the character of seth is very much based off of josh schwartz who is the executive producer and showrunner of the series um also i guess we should josh schwartz is one of the youngest um showrunners ever like i don't i think at this point he isn't the youngest anymore but he is still like so that's where a lot of this like youthful energy comes. I say youthful energy. It wasn't like he's like an 18 year old, but like in terms of like Hollywood, like he's still a very young showrunner, but the character of Seth is very much based off of him and his own experiences. So like that degree of the critique, sure. But the thing is, and this is true with Stranger Things as well, is that like they are given other reasons why they're not accepted and that's what's always bothered me about that critique because I think there is, you know, there are situations where it's like, oh, you're just nerdy and like, ooh, awkward because you like Superman. As you get to know him a bit better, you're like, there are things beyond him liking comic books that mm-hmm. is a barrier for him, like to engage. And you just, your heart really like, again, the acting, the writing, you just so root for Seth. Like you want you want good things for him and you want people to care about him as much as you care about him. So yeah, that's what's kind of hard with that. So I don't like that critique. I'm pushing back on that critique. I'm pushing back on like self-insert being bad. I'm also pushing back that like that all that is different with him is that he likes nerdy stuff. Like, it's not just like, oh, everyone hates nerds. It's like, no, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Um, so, yeah. Pushing back on that critique. Don't Absolutely. don't be mean to Seth Cohen. Yeah. We'll be kind of mean we to him are. later because he does some things. But, like, not mean. I love him. I'm allowed to be mean to Seth Cohen. You can only be mean to Seth Cohen if you love Seth Cohen. Yeah, you have to love him um, first and root for him. Yes. And I, th- I think that's the ideology that a lot of the people around him take as well yeah um like only only i get to be mean to seth because i love seth more than other people that's definitely the approach to being friends with seth we learn about one of seth's interests that isn't stereotypically nerdy we learn that he loves sailing Mm -hmm. and i think a fan favorite piece of behind the scenes information is that adam brody did not like being on that boat and i think he does a good job of acting but just knowing that information you're like i can tell i can tell you don't like this your face is so squinty apparently in like other like wider shots they did use a double for some of the boat scenes because he really hated being on the water um so adam thank thank you for your service adam brody for putting up with being on that little sailboat for the times that you needed to be i appreciate your effort but yeah, I think such a brave man. I think that's also one of the first like great scenes between Ryan and Seth is like them on the little sailboat where Seth is telling Ryan. And I think you just get such a good 
this is definitely more characterization for Seth, I think, rather than Ryan. But you do see Ryan like start to kind of understand like what's going on with Seth a little bit more, where Seth tells him about his plans to sail to Tahiti and how he's going to take Summer with him, which the boat is called Summer Breeze. Ryan rightfully is like, you're going to take this boat to Tahiti because it's a very small but like it would not make it there. Um, Seth clarifies that he's talking about the girl that the boat is named after, but he also clarifies that they've never spoken. Which again, he gets a lot. Seth as character gets a lot of pushback on like his his feelings for Summer in early season one. But I will say, without getting further than the pilot, I think the show actually deals with it fairly well in the sense that like his feelings for Summer aren't really about her at all. And it does kind of call him on it where this whole like sailing to Tahiti, sailing with Summer, his feelings for Summer are coming from a really sad place of like, this is someone who is really unhappy in the situation that he's in. It's such a deeply lonely fantasy that he has projected on onto summer yeah and who again has never spoken to him who has never spoken to him and who from this episode is incredibly mean yeah incredibly mean like not necessarily to him because she doesn't like care about him at all but like mean around him like she's she never has like one-on-one dialogue with him but the stuff that she says and does in relation to him is so mean but i think that scene where he's telling ryan i think it so easily could have been played for laughs of like look at this dork like he's like obsessed with a girl he can't even talk to her he sails that's like and again i think giving him the sailing like that's like the loneliest and this is not about if you sail i know a lot of people who sail and they like this is not me making a blanket statement about sailing but like The way that he sails and the fact that, like, his boat can barely fit two people. Like, he does it in a very solitary way. Um, And, but his fantasy is sailing away from Newport and, like, bringing Summer with him. But, like, this idea that he's built in his head of, like, someone who could, like, love and appreciate him. And based off of someone who very clearly does not... (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a really, and I think it takes us learning more later Mm -hmm. about how it started um, to be like, he is so disconnected from this place. He doesn't like any of the people in it, but he is in love with someone who really represents everything about this community. Um, So I think that is a really interesting dynamic that is set up there. And it's kind of like, why would you be in love with this girl? Yeah. She's beautiful. She's funny. Um, but we haven't seen enough of her to really understand, but beyond the fact that she's a hot girl, what his fascination with yeah. her would be. And I think that's like, and also later when they get to the beach and Ryan, well, Sandy tells Seth that, that Ryan got invited to Marissa's fashion show. Mm-hmm. That Marissa invited Ryan and Seth is like, we've lived next door to each other like practically our whole lives and she's never said anything 
to me. But he wants to go because Marissa is Summer's best friend. And he also drops the information that is important later on about Jimmy Cooper. About Jimmy Cooper. He's like, my mom almost married her dad. And Seth and Sandy being like, they did not almost get married. Um, But yeah, that's some interesting backstory that will maybe be relevant eventually. Yeah. And I think it's a scene like... Is it right after this that you do see Marissa at home? Like, as we already mentioned, the SEC is investigating her father for what we find out. I see I'm blanking on, like, all actual legal terms of what he's doing. He's embezzling money. He's embezzling money from his clients. I guess he's like a financial planner, right? Planner, yeah. And he's just been taking their money and using it to support his and his wife's lifestyle yeah and this is also his wife is played by melinda clark she is melinda clark is chewing the senior like she is like just in this role melinda clark is giving her everything tate donovan plays jimmy cooper and tate donovan is a good actor this is not about tate donovan but this is not a diss to tate every scene that melinda clark and tate donovan are in together like she is just so like dominating (laughs) everything um and i think she's supposed to um i think that was a very intentional choice and it's excellent and also they have another daughter who's played by a young shailene woodley at this point (laughs) um it is still a jump scare when i watch everyone that i have shown this show has been like is that shailene woodley and i'm like yes it is yeah i'm so glad you asked it's a very little shailene woodley she's so small she's very small so, but yeah, we get that kind of insight into um, the Cooper household. Mm-hmm. And then we're back with Ryan, um, like getting ready for the fashion oh, yeah. show. And I think it's a really lovely moment, him not knowing how to tie a tie. Yeah. Why, why would, would he? Yeah. And um, Sandy coming in and like not making fun of him, just like being like, I didn't know how to tie a tie until I was 25 and helping him with it, showing him how to do it. And then being like, you got to hang out with Seth. How was that? And Ryan is that he's cool. And Sandy's like, he just looks so happy that there's like finally Mm -hmm. a kid who his son feels comfortable with and who seems to like his son. Um, and I think it's just real. it was just a really endearing moment yeah i think also just like just almost that nervousness of him like it's like how was you had to hang out with that like how was that and he's like he's like he is cool isn't he like it's like this i think the pilot has so many lovely like little moments because there are so many things that are just so not subtle in the pilot like they are like beating Mm -hmm. some things over the head you know but there are also these really little subtle moments that are just like, oh, like as you as you watch it again and again and you're like, you're so seeing like the stuff that, you know, it gets talked about later on in the show a little bit, but most of it is in these like quieter moments of like wh- what the Cohen life was like before Ryan. Um, and I think, you know, the problems that they have been having in this community. So it's not necessarily like, you know, this rich family that, I mean, they are a very rich family. <laughs> that may sound like I don't believe that they are, but they've been having problems for a while that are in a way caused by the community in which they live. Um, 
And a lot of the problems are just like them being outsiders in their own way. And then Ryan comes in, who's very much like the epitome of an outsider to this community. And I think what is so nice about the show is like, you know, there comes a point when, you know, you have to kind of choose like, are you going to continue to like berate yourself for being an outcast in the community? Like, are you going to keep trying or are you going to like find the love and acceptance with people who do accept you? So I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, there are so many great scenes in the pilot that make me really emotional to watch. And I think that father son dynamic with Sandy and Ryan, again, this is the pilot. So that's like the two main relationships with the Coens that Ryan is kind of showing right now is Sandy and Seth. And I think they're really well set up in the pilot. And then we're back at the Coopers and we get, I think, just Julie Cooper being Julie Cooper being like, I thought you were going to wear your hair down. Um, Up is a little harsh on your angles. And I think that's such a thing that like Julie Cooper's kind of, she's a mean woman. But I think that is just something that a lot of people, like daughters especially deal with mm-hmm. with their moms and the way like moms like comment yeah. on your appearance and your clothes and your hair and out of like what they feel is love but in a way that comes off very very mm-hmm. critical and just fundamentally alters yeah like your perception of self so i think that's just a tough it's yeah moment and I I think it like perfectly encapsulates Julie Cooper and her relationship to Marissa mm-hmm. um, and it adds a little empathy for Marissa and like knowing what she deals with at home and this is kind of only the tip of the iceberg yeah because we obviously the the way that the OC has like four a core four main characters and we really in the first like few episodes like we don't even really start getting to know the fourth main character until a few episodes in and I know that has to do with like the writing and how that wasn't really the original plan of the show but we do get to know these characters a lot better as we go on but I also think the show also very quickly establishes that Marissa doesn't have the healthiest way of dealing with her home life Um, at the fashion show you you witness one just like the fashion show is such a great way of introducing the community and what they stand for the amount of times that they've supported, what was it, the Battered Women's Shelter? The Battered Women's Shelter, oh yes. Lord. I want to see if anything's actually named that. <laughs> yeah, see, if you look that up, it all, like, has much more just, like, domestic violence shelter, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Battered Women's Shelter? Like, it's just such a, yeah, and they do it a lot, and it's always, like, you know, clothes-related. There's always this, like, really almost sinister energy that they kind of approach like charity with uh because it's more about like the the status of it yeah exactly and i think it's like after the show when summer's like holly's mom is like parents are letting us have it you know for all of our hard work you know for charity you walk down a stage. Not that modeling can't be a hard job. But it's not but it's not their job. They're, but the way that they were doing it. Um it, all their, they put on really fancy clothes and especially in the sense of one Marissa and Summer were wasted like the whole time. 
the other thing is Summer being like, look what I stole. One glass of champagne. <laughs> look Marissa, what, look what right? I stole. An entire bottle of vodka. You're 16 years old. And I think that's like, and then so that compounded with the scene of like in the dressing room where the mom is getting mad at the director where it's like, you put my daughter in Calvin Klein. She was supposed to wear Vera Wang. And how it's so not about the charity at all. Like, it's all about, like, the status symbol of it. And, like, this isn't addressed by the show, but it's, like, you also have to understand where it's, like, a fashion show charity automatically is, you know, in in the context of this fashion show, it is specific people that are thought to participate in it. It's not designed for, like, anyone who looks any certain way. Like, you're already putting that emphasis there. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, it is, it's literally about status. Like, they're literally walking down a runway showcasing themselves and the clothes and, like, again, very removed from the charity of choice. But, yeah, they do go to a party after. I should say at the fashion show, we also see the Jimmy Cooper breakdown in the bathroom and, more importantly, Ryan also sees it um, because things are quickly crumbling in Jimmy Cooper's world. Yeah, just like, yeah, the sobbing in the bathroom after mm-hmm. someone being like, that's why we trust him with our money. And you're like, okay, I see what's going on here. Pre-fashion show, we get a little bit more insight into Seth's relationship oh, mm-hmm. with everyone around him. So, and, and, and the way that people engage with Ryan. Because like you were saying earlier, Ryan very much can look the part yeah. for sure. So all these old women, not old women, all these middle-aged women are hitting on him, this child. Yeah. And um, being like, are you the cousin from Boston? From Canada? Did I hear you were from Canada? Did, and and he's like, yes, you did. He's playing along with it very well. Yeah. Um, But then we see Seth and – it's amazing to me that Seth even, like, engaged with Luke at all. Yeah. The fact that he said hi. Um, he's trying. Mm-hmm. And then Luke coming up, like we said earlier. Immediately hitting using, him with a slur. Imme- immediately just slamming him with a slur. And also, what's up? Lock it up, Nordland. Lock it up, Luke. I'm disconnected from early 2000s behavior especially teenage boy early 2000s behavior in california mm-hmm. um is that a thing that people like was <laughs> is lock it up like a common thing that people said is that something that still happens someone and let like, us know am i just out of it let us know <laughs> <laughs> lock it up northland lock it up luke yeah it's very i just feel i feel and also when they walk in and seth like turns to Ryan and he's like, welcome to the dark side, meaning like, mm-hmm. welcome to this, you know, this, this place of opulence and wealth. But I think it's also just so heartbreaking that like he says that and Ryan is operating in this party a lot better than Seth is because Ryan is like a social chameleon. Like he knows how to work a room. He knows how to engage with people to get what he wants. Like he, can he if he had any other background he could like honestly like thrive in this community because he knows how to read people whereas seth says hi to one of his classmates and just immediately gets 
Like, literally. Like, I cannot articulate. If you haven't seen the pilot, I don't know why you're listening to this, but if you haven't seen it, it's literally, like, the the quickness and haste with which Luke delivers the slur <laughs> is... It's, it's prompt. And we also see kind of how Seth handles that mm-hmm. very much with sarcasm but like as um, luke is walking away yeah like he's like muttering yeah. to himself um and it's just i wouldn't i don't know if i'd even be able to mutter a sarcastic comment like, I, that would really I think i would be so me. i know i would be devastated even if i knew it was coming i wouldn't have engaged with luke mm-hmm. in the first place at all yeah um but I think it's good for Seth that he And it's can. also right after um, Seth sees Summer. And I think you mm-hmm. see what, at least the beginnings of like what Summer, the the imagined idea of Summer means to him. Because mm-hmm. it's like this, everyone's being horrible to him. But then he's like, oh my God, Summer's here. Like Summer's here. And look at her. Like, you know. And it's really cute because he's like, I mean, don't look. I look, but don't look like Yeah, like don't. And then- Sandy coming up and being like, oh, it's summer. And points <laughs> directly at her. It's very much like the Parks and Rec meme. It's like, look, but don't be obvious. And then it's like the swivel. But <laughs> I just think there's so much there's so much that is said and unsaid because also you have this party that very clearly is meant to mirror the party, the after party to the fashion mm-hmm. show where Ryan turns to Seth and he's like, welcome to the dark side. Cause now we're in a place of debauchery, drugs and sex. I, debauchery refers to, I don't know why I just like clarified debauchery, drugs and sex. <laughs> um, <laughs> drugs and sex and drugs. And yeah. Sex. <laughs> you know, but this is where I get questions. I have questions for the Fox network about this, but I mean, also though it is portrayed as like, Oh Wow oh wow like this party is a bit out of hand um but ryan also does well at this party like that's the thing where he's doing well at this party seth is not but summer is flirting with ryan at this point ryan i don't think ryan sees luke and holly go off on the beach but we the viewers have seen them at this point go off to the i beach. think ryan sees it. i know he sees it later okay yeah he sees it later. but like I know that we, the viewer, he might have seen them go off, mm-hmm. but we, we've seen the conversation. We know. We know what's yeah. going on. Um, oh, my favorite part of that conversation is, isn't it beautiful? The sand <laughs> and the water. Um, but also, like, which a Which, honestly, is about, it's, I know, I, it's, exa- it's about the depth of thought that I am prepared to engage with anything but also, with like, at any given I have moment. a little bit less, they live on a beach. I'm allowed to say stuff like that because I don't live on a beach. Like if I'm like, isn't it beautiful? The sand, the water, then that's fine because I grew up in a landlocked city. Mm -hmm. We had a lake that is haunted. You know, I'm allowed to be like, oh my God, the ocean. (laughs) But you live there. Do you say that every time that you go to the beach? Did they say it's just Holly's house or is it their beach house? I think that's their, her beach house. So, so why do you have a beach house when you live on the beach? Why? That is two houses within like a square mile of each other. Because like maybe their house isn't on the beach, but it's still you're living in a place called Newport Beach. Why? Why do you have a beach house? If you want a beach house, just live 
in that live in the beach, beach house. house why do you need a second house in the same city i think needless to say neither of us went to parties like this in high school no. could you tell that's just not our experience could you tell? <laughs> with life um so crazy party what i find hilarious is seth walking in on the threesome <laughs> leaning out and then coming back in to talk to them he was like he was on his way out and he said no i have something to say and came back in it's just i love seth so much and although again like what he did at the party was not very nice to ryan because seth is drinking a lot and summer is flirting with ryan should ryan have told seth that summer invited seth specifically when she very much did not probably no he shouldn't have said that but i just but i feel like seth knew he was lying i feel like he had to know he's like because he was like that doesn't make any sense but i'm gonna roll with it you know like he i think seth very much knew that ryan was lying but what he didn't know is that Summer, like, was flirting with Ryan. I think that could have been an easy conversation. But I, I get why Ryan didn't say that. I feel, But I feel like if it were me, I would probably, like, yeah, she's, like, really drunk and she's flirting with me. But, like, I'm not mm-hmm. interested in her like that. But instead, Seth has to see them interact it's just interesting it's interesting to me that ryan actually my brother stole the car wouldn't have been (laughs) as forthcoming (laughs) um but like so seth sees this interaction with summer and ryan misinterprets it because he's like ryan because i guess in his mind you know i do think seth is a person who's always prepared for people to be pretty shitty to him you know, and I think Ryan has been so kind to him and then he sees him with Summer and it's not even really about because, again, Summer has never spoken to Seth and he knows that. But it's more about he told Ryan that, you know, Summer was this person for him and then he sees what he thinks is Ryan like flirting with Summer. Um, so then he, of course, tells the whole party or he more yells at Ryan. The whole party hears him. Why don't you just go back to Chino? I'm sure there's a really nice car in the parking lot that you could steal. I love the implication that, like, it's, like, in the parking lot. Like, I don't know why that feels like a subtle dig on, like, you're not even that good of a car thief. Like, don't steal one on the road anymore because you did not do a very good job of it the first time. We also get to hear some iconic summer lines Mm -hmm. just in we're introduced to the ew. um, Where he's like, I named my boat after her. What? Ew. Ew. And then Chino? Ew! Poor Chino. Chino, Poor poor Chino. Chino deserves better. But also, it should be noted that, like, Rachel Bilson was not meant to be lead cast of the OC. Mm -hmm. She is what will eventually become our fourth main character. But in the pilot, she has a very minimal role. But like other... Again, we have to respect an actor who comes in and just, like, does the role so well i just learned this from a podcast recently and this isn't going to mean anything to you but i'm going to say it anyways but like uh, i just learned that uh one of the characters in yellow jackets was actually supposed to die in the pilot and um the actor jane woodup like their performance was so good at like the table read 
and everything that they rewrote it the writers rewrote it for that character to have a much more prominent role and i always just like stories like that because it's so interesting to kind of see how it's why television as a medium is so it's so exciting for me because it's just such a give and take like it's never exactly how you write it because you're there's so many moving parts and that can be for better or for worse but I think that's what's so exciting about it but yeah yeah. it's one of my favorite stories about that is like Spike with Buffy Mm -hmm. how he was originally gonna have a very very short arc and he ended up being a fan favorite being on for all the rest of the seasons being in the last season of angel um spoiler i this is a spoiler free podcast this is spoiler free for the oc not spoiler free for any other piece of media if Um, if the media but also the media we're talking about is literally like i mean yellow jackets that but i didn't spoil anything i i said that the character was gonna die in the pilot but um if the if the media in question is over five years old which i mean buffy the vampire slayer is <laughs> but uh sorry that's not on that's not on us i can spoil anything about buffy the vampire slayer that i want and i probably will yeah <laughs> but i also think too like even like a more i feel like everyone not everyone but this is such a people know so much like even like a steve harrington and stranger things as well like that sort of unexpected either because of an actor or because of a fan response or just anything um i always think that that's really cool um and rachel bilson is definitely someone who came in and decided to make that role her own and you got it she's like i will be a main character actually and she talks more about that process in welcome to the oc bitches which you should listen to because it's just these are different podcasts. These are very different podcasts. Um, but you should listen to it <laughs> uh, for sure. And we get... Okay, so we're coming up on one of the best scenes mm-hmm. in the episode. I mean, it's painful. Um, but we're kind of just seeing how violently bullied Seth yeah. is. Um, but they're like, go home, geek. And they kind of start messing with him. And Seth being like, you guys wouldn't really hurt me because that's such a cliche. And then they, like, yank him up. He's like, I guess you're fans of the cliche. And it looks like they're going to, like, drop him into the fire on the beach, which is so... It looks like they're about to commit murder, is what it looks like. They're committing a crime. It's like, there's, like, this certain type of bully. They're not quite 80s-level bully, but, like, I just... In media, there's, like, this certain type of idea of, like, so the bullies casually commit a felony we're in the middle of seth being bullied Mm -hmm. and then ryan ups seth upside down sees ryan put him down Mm -hmm. and he's here to defend him and it's beautiful um and then there's like you got a problem you tell me and then there's a big fight and ryan is doing a little better in this fight than he has historically because it's to luke and it's also two people in wetsuits which i think this is the first time i have realized that these people ran in from the ocean where they were surfing to go (laughs) beat ryan and seth up in their wetsuits jesus um it's upsetting and seth tries to participate and then he just gets absolutely clocked in the face um and then we have the best line in the entire episode. One of the um, best lines in the series, frankly. Welcome to the OC, bitch. 
This is how it's done in Orange County. But it's really sweet afterwards. Um, the little transition. <laughs> It's really sweet afterwards. Yeah, it's like a nice little um, moment after they just completely <laughs> get annihilated by uh, by I almost said Chris. He's played by Chris Carmack, uh, Luke, um, with who's now in Gray's Anatomy. Yep. Thanks for saying it like that. Uh, but right now he's Luke, and he has a puka shell necklace. And also, it's Ryan is also doubly upset because he has his suspicions confirmed when Luke appears like in various states of undress with Holly. Mm -hmm. So it's very clear what Luke was doing out on the beach. Mm -hmm. And Ryan is like, hey, man, that's not cool. Because he kind of has feelings for Luke's girlfriend at this point. And Seth's like, you totally have my back. And it's really nice. Like Seth really feels for the first time that he has a friend. And it's just great. And also he's like, I'm not going to forget it. And they're just in the pool house. And he's like, yeah, I can't adequately describe how like that scene makes me feel but it just i think it's like you said it's just so sweet and endearing to both of them and i think we've said we've talked a lot about how seth feels about like ryan and seth and like how ryan's like his first real friend but like ryan hasn't had very many friends at all either Mm -hmm. so they're both they're two people kind of be and Seth from the get-go is also one of the only people who's like treating Ryan in just I mean like yeah Sandy is trying and Kirsten is trying into varying degrees of success but Seth is the one who like wants to be Ryan's friend and he thinks Ryan is really cool but not because of like the backstory that Marissa came up with for Ryan like he knows Mm -hmm. where Ryan is from and he still wants to be friends with him so I think that night is really like the solidification of like what we will come to know of Seth and Ryan, of them really sticking up for each other um, throughout the series. And I like that. Mm-hmm. You don't need un- unnecessary drama between like, you know, like your core relationship. It's not they don't have ups and downs, but like at the end of the day, like Ryan and Seth are going to like put the other one first above everyone else. So. Mm-hmm. absolutely and then ryan like just stares at seth's face with soft instrumental music in the background not in um, a stranger things way just which, like in a just in a nice it's like way. A chill way it was really cute I some was, people like, might he, say it's in a stranger things way but that's a different conversation he's just having like i don't know they're both making friends for the first time and i think that's lovely mm-hmm. um and then marissa unconscious is being carried by her friends and then left on the ground yeah which is a sharp transition the the, the blossoming of this beautiful little friendship and marissa and her friends and her friends abandoning her and also like again not to nitpick but we do get like another slur but this one is not meant to be like it's just 2003 um yeah so it's not meant to be indicative of the character because summer is the one who says it but just to throw that out there but yeah, they're not like, we're making commentary on how this is a bad thing to say. Um, it's just like, you know, she just says it. But they decide to leave her outside unconscious because they can't find her keys. Uh, and then Ryan doesn't want to leave her outside unconscious because he's witnessing this whole situation. But also, I mean, I will give him credit where like he knows he's like, oh, God. 
if I'm found with this unconscious girl. Oh, I know. It's just like this guy who everyone now knows is from Chino, which apparently is the worst place on earth and only breeds criminals and in a wife beater leading and also like terrible name for a shirt. Yeah. Anyway, um, we need a new name for that shirt. We need a new name for that shirt. Kneeling over a teenage girl, like picking her up and carrying her to his room. He's doing the right thing. 100%. Mm -hmm. Like there's no, there's no debating that. Like he is doing, he's doing the right thing. And he like, obviously is like sleeping on the couch. I do like, like, because we don't see it, but like Marissa making waking up the next day and on one couch is Seth Cohen, like beaten half to hell, sleeping. And <laughs> on the other side is Ryan sleeping on a different couch. Um, I should also say um, we skipped over one scene as far as um, Jimmy and Kirsten during the party. Uh, because oh, yeah. one thing. The Froyo scene. The. The great thing about the OC, and they do it later in their other shows, we didn't talk about this, but Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, who at this point, Josh Schwartz is the creator of the OC, but Stephanie Savage is one of the executive producers, and their other content that they do later on is very much Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage, uh, but they will go on to do shows like Gossip Girl, um, <laughs> The Ill-Fated Runaways on Hulu. Uh, we, we don't have time to talk about that right now, but um, they always have an emphasis on like the adult storyline like you know you have the teen storyline and the adult storyline and the way that they like mirror each other and affect each other is actually very i think in the oc it's a lot more compelling in gossip girl it feels more tangential um mm -hmm. just in my opinion but the oc definitely i think it's because there's like less to deal with there's less characters to deal with but you get a little bit more insight jimmy and kirsten being like a childhood friendship and that they were dating when they were younger and i also think you get insight into kirsten's worry about seth that it's it's interesting because jimmy is kind of not showing a lot of concern about like marissa and her whereabouts like it's like oh she always goes out like she's that's just what she does and kirsten's like seth never goes out like i like it, i think it's I think it's a great characterization moment for Kirsten. And you do see kind of the unhealthy dynamic of Jimmy and Julie's marriage. Because, mm -hmm. you know, the Froyo. He has to go get Froyo for his wife. But I think, again, there's so many, there's so much happening in this pilot. I have no idea how they fit so much into one I, pilot. I know. And it is only 45 minutes I long. Know. Like, I was like, surely this was an extra long episode. No. And again, this is the this is the season the this season of the OC is one of the it's longest so long. seasons of television ever, but it doesn't feel that way. And also, they go through plot like faster than shows that only have like 12 episodes in a season. It is fully like 3 seasons worth of yeah. plot in this one. And it's so 20, good. What, 27 episodes? Yes, a 27 episode season. We get the Kirsten and Jimmy and then we get my icon julie cooper being like did you get my froyo yeah. and i just i think that's the reason i would get married is to, is have, a to have someone to in the middle of the night go get me frozen yogurt <laughs> uh, um but yeah that's a good like i think the focus on the adults and making them like really compelling adults where you care about what's going yeah. on with the adults and i just think i just think they do a really good job they there. do and so i guess flash forward to the next morning 
Uh, back on Kirsten, though. Oh. <laughs> She's mad. Oh, yeah. Back on Kirsten next morning. So Marissa has left at some point in the night, which, I mean, good for her. Um, I, too, would probably leave without saying anything. You know, you can talk later. But, like, yeah, I'd probably get out of there. Um, Kirsten is mad, which I do understand a bit more now because, like, when she opens the door and she's like, oh, thank God, I'm realizing that she went to Seth's room and Seth wasn't there. Um, and so she's like, oh, yeah. he's dead. <laughs> like, you know, how the, the mm-hmm. mom. So Kirsten is really angry. Sandy's back from surfing. He loves surfing. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, this is what happens when you let him hang out with criminals. Yeah. And he's like, at least he has someone <laughs> to hang out with. And I mean, also, though, the people that he was kind of hanging out with before, well, not hanging out with, like, his peers are also, they were the ones who, like, beat him on the beach last night. They could be arrested for that. So, you know, a lot of criminals to hang out with in Newport Beach. Everyone else is apparently a criminal. Your ex-boyfriend is a criminal and Mm -hmm. you care about how he, I mean, you don't know he's a criminal yet, but I just feel like you should be able to suspect. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, she she has a line where she's like, he has a family, Sandy. It's not up for you Mm -hmm. to decide whether or not they're good enough. And I think that that is a very valid assessment of the situation. Yeah. At the same time, his mom's boyfriend did beat him up. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is... Which I'm not even he, sure that he Kirsten was getting abused. knows about that because I'm, like, you know... No, so I, I think, don't think she does. I don't think Ryan would have told no, Sandy either. I don't think either of them know about that, but I do think Sandy does definitely have this, like, hero complex, and I do think Kirsten is right to call him out for it. However, I think as a viewer, because you know... Again, you know more of Ryan's home situation, and you also know, I mean, you can just kind of see the direction that this is going in, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know. You know. Imagine if the pilot ended with Ryan moving back to Chino with his family. Like, what? what's the show going to be called then? No. Chino? Like, that. that's it. Um, Chino, and then, and then Orange County, and then back to Chino. Yeah. Just, he's just going to go back. But... So she does say that, and Sandy does hear her. So, you know, the decision is made that Ryan is going to go back, but not before Ryan... I have such mixed feelings about this scene. Ryan has made breakfast, and it makes Kirsten feel so bad because he's, like, made breakfast. Not to be... He says you have a really nice family. Yeah, it's a really... And so it's really... It's a really moving scene. It's really emotional. Not to... I'm going to sound like CinemaSense for a second, and I don't like it when I sound like CinemaSense. I am not a cin- <laughs> I am a Cinema Wins person, first and foremost. Um, mm-hmm. It is kind hmm. I'm not trying to say that it's weird that he made breakfast. I'm just saying that if I were in the house, and it's like, if it was one thing, if he made his own breakfast and there was just, like, more breakfast to share, because, like, bacon and eggs, mm-hmm. like, you you tend to make more so if that's what happened then that's whatever but like you don't even know their dietary restrictions like you did not ask you didn't i mean i guess if they have it in the refrigerator they can probably eat it yeah but what if they can't i don't know and especially because we (laughs) realize later on that the cohen family is such like a cereal and bagel and the cereal is ryan yeah I love that Ryan's like, I make breakfast in my house, and then literally we only ever see him eat cereal again. That's the true freedom for Ryan. But then the Cohen household is such a bagel household. 
It, what's also interesting to me is that when I go to people's houses, I've been going to your house for a long time, yeah. 11 years, 13 years. That's a lot of math. For... 14 years. I've been going to your house for 14 years. Yeah. 9 to 23. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can still barely remember where the cups are. I know. The, have you seen that post where it's like people come to your house and like you say, it's like, oh yeah, you can get water and they come back with like the most random glass they could buy. Well, also in your defense, because we met when we were so young, my parents used to keep some like plastic cups in lower mm-hmm. cabinets because I couldn't reach the the mm-hmm. where the rest of the glasses and were. those are the ones that i usually go for. i know so it's like now no one uses those anymore except for the people that i've known since i was really young <laughs> because that's where they learned <laughs> to find cups for water so yeah that's a little be forewarned if you have small children and they have friends uh those friends into adulthood will keep using those plastic cups in they will imprint on those yeah. cups they will keep going to that bottom cabinet. They're not going to go to the higher cabinet, even though they can, in fact, reach it now. They can reach it. They can be trusted with glass. They can be- like, I just feel like I wouldn't have had the confidence to make breakfast for them. Absolutely. Or for myself. Like, I, I would just be there, like, waiting for someone to come back. I would not eat anything in the kitchen. It's like, when will they come back in? But uh ryan's like you have a really nice family and then he goes up and talks to seth and seth's like i can go to chino and then he calls chino a hood and it's like seth cohen (laughs) and and he gives ryan a map and it's he's like it's really good for ideas oh i just it's also friendship you know the map where it's like (laughs) it's him like figuring out tahiti but also like it's kind of it's implied where it's like it's good for ideas and you just get a firmer establishing of like this is someone who has like made plans to run away before Mm -hmm. and it's just so sad where like all ryan wants to do is stay and all seth wants to do is go and it's a really touching scene and he hugs him for one of the only two times in the series the series has so much that is so like in terms of like masculinity on television, especially like in teen dramas is like in general television, but especially in teen dramas, the show does so much. And then also like they only hug twice in the entirety of the series. And from their they would hug more. I know it. You know it. We all know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. So then Sandy goes to drive Ryan back to Chino and we get in my mind like the standout music moment from the episode and it's not just because so like Josh Words has said that this song like helped him write the show which I think is so you can you can hear it so much and it's Honey in the mm-hmm. Moon by Joseph Arthur and it's just such a it, good it's it's such a good song like the tone of the song is perfect mm-hmm. The lyrics are perfect, I think, specifically for, like, what we know of Ryan and Marissa's, Mm -hmm. like, dynamic. And knowing more about it, too, is perfect. Um, And, like, him looking up, like, her looking through his window, looking back at her. Yeah, because, like, her at the end of the driver with the sun setting behind her. As the song hit, the lyric that's always stood out to me with that scene is, like, if you weren't real, I would make you up. Just, like, this 
this notion of like dreams and goals and just yeah it's it's a soft song that sounds weird to say but it's a soft song it's a soft scene and it makes me really emotional to watch it's it's just such a grounded moment Mm -hmm. in i mean i don't think like i think I think the show can be viewed as kind of like sensationalized, I yeah. guess, but it never like feels like totally disconnected from reality. Because it's a very self-aware, and, like it has high drama, but it's very self-aware of what it's doing. Exactly. But this feel, it just, it, watching that scene after everything, like I feel like I was like standing watching the episode and at this moment it's like I had to sit down yeah. and be like, oh my God. And like really just it's like just... interpret it in a way. It's a really, it's a really moving scene and i think that's what makes the oc in my mind i've said this before i i haven't said it before on the podcast i don't know why i said i've said this to you before but the oc is one of the standout teen dramas for me like we've both seen so many teen dramas and for me the oc just does so much that it's other contemporaries don't do it's the teen dramas that have followed it don't really do it there's been some standouts, obviously, in, like, Sense and a little bit before, but, and I mean, also, like, Degrassi, I feel like I always have to mention Degrassi just because if you're talking about teen dramas and you don't mention Degrassi, that's not paying your respect um, to the people that have been doing it longer than anybody. Um, <laughs> but, you know what I mean? It's like, I think it's these quieter moments because it's so... It just, there's these moments that are so character driven that you just can't, like with the highly sensationalized plot, like they don't lose the characters within that. There's some exceptions to this as it goes on, but I think I have a firm grasp of it. We both especially really, and I think lots of people, like I don't think it's unique to us, but who get really invested in characters Mm -hmm. more I mean, plot lines are great, and the, it, they, but it's like when it's a vehicle yeah. for like character development and just character studies. It's I enjoy it immensely, and I think that's like what really strong fandoms yeah. are built on too is being able to get attached attached to these characters. Yeah. And um, I think the OC just does a really good job, especially with their core characters. Yeah. Of. And especially in this first episode, where really it's just they set up the characters and they set up their character dynamics really, really well. Even though we don't know at this point that Summer's going to become a main character, um, she's still getting positioned in a way that it transitions well into. Yeah, like I think it's just a really compelling. And then it's also like, I think they did it in a way where like the end of the episode would not hit as hard if they didn't put in the character work that they did where Ryan goes back to his house. And first of all, also, you know that Sandy is not going to leave until Ryan like confirms that everything is okay. And you only know that Mm -hmm. because of the characterization of Sandy, who's not even one of the teen characters. So it can be so easy to like overlook the characterization of the parents, but they don't in the OC. So you know when Sandy goes to drop him off that he's not going to leave until Ryan gives him the okay. But Ryan goes into his house and realizes that all of his stuff is gone. Like his his mom is gone. And it's like and there's a, a note. 
there's a note on the counter and it's just says, it says dear ryan sorry i just couldn't handle it anymore your stuff is in a bag in your room maybe with a little more time we'll be able to and then i can't read it anymore no. but it's just he just got fully abandoned yeah they left the house <laughs> Like, it wasn't even that they changed the locks. Like, I feel like that's a more typical, like, story arc of, like, you know, you go to put your key in the door and it doesn't work. Um, They left the house. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, Sandy, like, this is, like, a really, it's a devastating moment for Ryan, who has really, re-watching it again, he hasn't really had, like, a moment in the pilot where he is just, like, kind of defeated almost like he's kind of still it's almost like he's playing a game throughout like all of the pilot like he's going to these parties and and, like even when he gets like beat up and he's making friends with Seth but it's this moment where you know the moment in the kitchen with Kirsten the moment with Seth when he's leaving but then he gets to his house and his family is gone and I think that's a really it's really sad it's a really sad moment to see and yeah i think so obviously i don't have to say this but sandy does not leave him in the abandoned house he's like come on let's go close the door and that's how we end the pilot episode of the oc so yeah yeah so we know ryan's going back to orange county which we already knew Um, before before i mean if you've seen a tv show before (laughs) (laughs) if you've seen any piece of media you might have been able to put together that That he's not going to move will end up in the title city yeah um but i don't know i just i think we've said like everything that we can say about this episode Mm -hmm. but it's i just the fact that it was only 45 minutes they fit all like I just don't think that would be done. No, and I also think today I think they'd be like we're doing a hour fifteen minute pilot. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's also like just the understanding of like when it when this premiere, like I know we talk about it now where it's like not enough people have watched the OC. We're talking very much specifically of like people like our age, like in an age of like segmented with streaming. I think for whatever reason like one tree hill the longevity again i've been grappling with this since like freshman year of college of like why the longevity of one tree hill is so much more than uh the oc they aired at the exact same time and everything um and i think streaming does have a lot to do with it but when this premiered like the share that it had the viewing share that it had like just the amount of people that were watching it and the amount of people that were talking about it this was definitely a phenomenon when it aired and i so understand why like this pilot is just so compelling and I so get how this show turned into the water cooler show that it was and really I'm just so excited that we get to talk about it um all these years later uh because it's a really really good pilot so if you for whatever reason are listening to this which if you are listening to this thank you but if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the pilot yet I highly recommend that you check it out because I mean we can talk about it all day. There's no way to do it justice if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this is this season of tell. It's a good season of television, like writing act. It's a, it's a good season. And especially if you are someone, I think, you know, I've already said, like, I definitely watch mostly streaming content now just because of like my job and like research and everything. But, and I think a lot of people would say that they watch more streaming content than, um, on broadcast or cable 
but like this is such a there's something very fun about a show that like a primetime show that was written like to be watched weekly again we did not watch it weekly but it's just the writing is so there and like the plot structure is there and they will move through plot like nobody's business so i'm mm-hmm. excited to- they will and i think yeah. another important thing to note obviously is just that like the part that we're watching now isn't even like season one yeah like it's season one but it's really it's kind of like their season zero yeah because they did air before they have it's the summer season the summer season which aired before major league baseball before the world series so they had there's going to be like a little mini hiatus in season one which is why it's so long so this is like this is the pilot episode of almost their pilot mini season that's going to Mm -hmm. convince people to come back to watch in the fall and so i think it's super fun. We haven't even gone like when they get to school. Y'all are not ready for that, so <laughs> get excited. Yeah, and just thank you um, so much for listening. Yeah. If anybody is, I think we'll get better at this as we go. But it's just something that we find to be so much fun. We talk about mm-hmm. the show all the time, and it's great to be able to potentially share that with people. Yeah. Um, if you want updates on um, upload schedules, anything like that, you can follow us on Twitter at the OCCast. Um, we're getting better at posting. Yeah, we're working on we're working on everything. Uh, we're definitely, you know, I think this has just been a lot of fun. It's definitely like uh, this is very much we're as you can tell, this is not sponsored or anything this is just like a passion project so we're getting better with everything uh carving out time to do things with you know state of the world stuff so your patience and also you know if you're listening uh that really means a lot just because it's always nice to just take a break and talk about a show or just anything that you really love and so hopefully uh, there are people out there who really connect with this show because that's kind of the whole point. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. We'll catch you on episode two.